You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. There are palm trees engraved in the wood around the gateways. And, and that's like inside and out, all throughout the, all throughout the temple. <clears throat> and on the walls, there's these wood panels that go from the floor to the ceiling. And engraved in a pattern is palm tree, cherub, palm tree, cherub, on and on and on, inside and out of the entire temple. And it says they are all over the temple. And so I was like, as I'm reading all these things, and it comes to this point where Ezekiel is taken to a a gate, and from the east he sees the glory of the Lord coming. And it's bright and it's brilliant, like he's, he's coming into the temple. And he falls on his face, and the Lord comes in, to that place and they shut that gate and no one else can enter the east gate because the Lord has gone through that gate. And everything that Ezekiel is seeing in this vision is to be told to the Israelites of how to do this second temple. But it also tells us a lot about how we're supposed to be as well. And so the Lord comes in and and he says that this city will be called the Lord is there. Um. So as I'm reading all of this, I, I'm trying to keep this short because it was like hours and hours of this, but like uh, this scripture, Psalm 100 came to mind and it's, it's you know, enter, come into his presence with singing, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And I'm seeing these, these doorways with palm trees all over it. I'm like, Lord, why do you do that? So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts that are lined with palm trees as well, with praise. And so when, when the Jews that are all gathered in, in Jerusalem pick up these palm branches, did they know? Was that something they were taught? That that's a symbol of praise and worship? What, that this was a symbol of thanksgiving? I don't know. But it is all over the doorways. It is all over the temple where he dwells. And so as they are, as they're this huge boisterous crowd waving branches, he's here, the king is here. And they lay their praise and their thanksgiving at his feet for him to walk over top of. They enthrone him with their praise. This is the symbol of that. And it's a beautiful how much the word of God is like. I'm sure there's actually probably other reasons that this is important, but this was a really neat process to look into the word and see that this, these symbols are everywhere. So feel free today to wave these <laughs> or to lay them at, at the feet of Jesus, to lay them at the cross. We're gonna lift a praise. We're gonna sing Hosanna. We're gonna... It's interesting, uh, you know, you'll have different feelings as uh, you're worshiping, and uh, one of the things that uh, was happening this morning for me was uh, the sense that uh, God's love and compassion is here for us. I don't know, maybe some of you actually felt that, but I just want to encourage you on this Palm Sunday that uh, 
it is the Lord's love and compassion that started that journey to the cross. And uh, um, scripture says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so, um, you know, uh, most of us had enough religion in our lives, uh, enough of uh, people to pointing out what's wrong in our lives. But I, I just want to encourage you this morning that the Lord is here to actually reveal to us how much he loves us, how much compassion he has for us in those places where we desperately need him. And so uh, uh, today's sermon, uh, uh, it's uh, an interesting uh, kind of uh, spot for me to be in because the Lord gave me the title and I'm going, Lord, this title is kind of perplexing. And, uh, but this is what he gave me. He said, when saying thank you is not enough. Now, we've all said thank you for many different things. In fact, uh, in working on this sermon, I was just kind of uh, observing how many times I say thank you or hear people say thank you. Open the door for you uh, as you're coming and going. Uh, you uh, go to the coffee shop and get your cup of coffee and you say thank you. And they say thank you for bu buying uh, coffee from... Uh, uh, and uh, with that, it's, um, it's like, uh, I've also heard the words, talk is cheap. And so, um, it's like, we can say thank you many times. Uh, sometimes we don't mean it, sometimes it's very casual. But I think that what the Lord is looking for in us is he's looking for a thank you that um, is more than words. That's really what the Lord is looking for. Uh, a thank you that's more than words is what really touches our lives, isn't it? Uh, and so um, it's important for us to understand that God is looking for our lives. He's wanting transformation within us is what he's looking for. That's how you and I say really thank you to the Lord is we let him do the work that he needs to do within our lives to bring about the spiritual transformation. Um, and so um, it was like um, I was originally scheduled to speak uh, earlier this month, and then we did a little switching around. And it was like um, I said to the Lord, I said, well, I don't know that this is a Palm Sunday message. And, and uh, in fact... Uh, I was talking to leadership about that, and they said, well, you know, we'll go with that, you know, uh, graciously. And then uh, after I got done talking, it was like the Lord said, well, yes, it is. This is a Palm Sunday message. It really is. Yeah. And so we'll take a look at the very end, how the Lord wants to tie this all together and reveal to us uh, just what he really wants to do within us. And so... The question this morning is, how do you and I say thank you to the Lord? Because after all, we have a lot to say thank you. Uh, this, uh, this Palm Sunday morning, we reflect on Thanksgiving. It's very powerful and very important. And in that, there is a heart transformation that takes place. And so um, I believe that true Thanksgiving in the kingdom of God is a transformed life. It's more than just words. It's more than just words. And the Lord is very, very desiring each of us to be transformed in such a way 
that it reflects his, new, uh, his nature and character. I want to look at a passage of scripture, Galatians 2.20. So if you have your phones or your Bibles, you can turn to that. Now, if you pull out your phone and you go to Facebook, you're in trouble. Okay? <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> Not with me. But with the Lord, okay? Because, <laughs> by the way, you know why you come to church? It's not to check Facebook, okay? You come to church to encounter the living God. You come to encounter his kindness, his compassion. And it's in that that you and I are transformed. And so may you come with hearts seeking the Lord on this Palm Sunday morning to receive what he has for you and I, to bring about that transformation. He is very serious about a changed heart because he can actually deal with that at that point. Okay? So Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That sums it up. That is one of the most powerful passages of scripture I believe that there's in within the Bible. And it's a, it's a, it's a confession that you and I want to have. The Christian life is the revealing of an indwelling Christ. It's a life formed out of suffering and the denial of self-will, which reveals Christ himself in and through the heart of a believer. And so, talk can be cheap, but a transformed heart proves the fact that God lives in you. The beautiful thing about this is that you and I don't transform our hearts. God does it. The good news is, is that Jesus is the power to actually bring about the transformation. And so it's, it's good news. He requires the life within us that is transformed by him. That's the testimony of his goodness to us. And so be encouraged. This is a message of hope. The hope that you and I are graced with the ability to surrender our lives to God more powerfully, that he might come and indwell and transform us into the reflection and image of the Lord God Almighty. That is the testimony they has. That is what he wants for each of us. That's what he is encouraging within each of us. Okay. And so now let's take a look at Romans 12, 3. After looking at Galatians 2, 20. Romans 12, 3. Uh, we'll begin with uh, the first verse there and go through uh, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow, there is life in that passage of Scripture. That is what the Lord is doing. The Apostle Paul is reminding Christians in Rome, in a very difficult place in Rome, by the way, their lives were not easy. 
I, I, you know, it's interesting as we look at as we look at growth of the body of Christ, where there is adversity, there is growth. Where there is no adversity, things become rather passive. And you know, we have enjoyed, I think about it, one of the things I am thankful for is those men and women of God who came before us and sacrificed their lives in many ways for the freedoms and the abundance that we have in this country. And yet the question is, how have we stewarded that freedom? How have we actually seen the kingdom move forward? I think we've lost ground. Now, I have, to, I have to take responsibility for that. So hear my heart. I am not judging any of us. But it is in, with sober judgment that we are to look at our lives and we say, Lord, we've lost ground within this country. Why? Because I think we became passive in the beauty and the blessing. You know, you saw that pattern in the Old Testament. The, there, would be, there would be the blessing of God would flow to the generations and they would steward it and it would grow and it would be wonderful. And then in that place of, uh, of uh, abundance, they would lose sight of what was truly valuable. There wasn't any sacrifice. There wasn't any cost. And out of that, there was no appreciation and it fell. It slipped away. And so may our hearts be convicted with a true thanksgiving and a passion for the Lord that says, not on our watch, we will not let our family, our church, our, our community, our state, our country slip into the hands of the kingdom of darkness, but we will stand against the work of the enemy and we will now war with the resources of heaven for the transformation, not only of my own life and the life of my family, but also the, the body of Christ and the extension of what the body wants to do in this community. We have, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to take back that which rightfully belongs to Jesus. He paid the price. He bought the lives within this community. If we want to look at that, we, this is where we have the, beta, the, the greatest influence is our community. Jesus paid the price to have everyone in this community redeemed, and yet we don't see that. Now, you can, you can play it two different ways. One of them, you can go, oh, this is just a hopeless situation. You can turn victim. You can turn inward. Or you can say, no. I am not going to stand around and let the enemy destroy this community. I'm going to stand against the enemy. And I'm not going to do it out of my own resources. I, I don't have that power. But God has the power to transform a community. God has the power to destroy the work of the enemy. And so what you do is you take hold of the resources of heaven in the unique way that he's called you to so that you can see his victory because it's his victory, okay? And so Paul is saying to these Roman Christians, he's saying, you need to surrender yourselves and the very, your very being. And in that, the idea that in God's mercy, now your lives become the living sacrifice. Well, you know, I'm not fond of sacrifice. I just don't like it. I don't like pain, misery, difficulty. No, no, I want to avoid all of that, if at all possible. 
okay? But what's interesting, we live in a fallen world. It's impossible to avoid it. You can run, but it does finally find you. And so rather than us crawling in a hole and going, poor me, the Lord is saying, step out and be armed with what I have because I have already chosen the victory for you. I like to win. I don't know. You guys play games? Yes. Okay. You know, I'm not really good at it. I didn't grow up in a household where you played a lot of games, and so I didn't come, become proficient in that, if you will. So I, I don't play a lot of games, but, but it's like, oh, there is something wonderful about winning, isn't there? Come on, there is. There's just something wonderful about winning. And I think the body of Christ has taken way too many hits. But I think what's been going on is we've been operating out of our own resources. We don't even realize it. We've been seduced by the enemy, and we have been operating out of our own resources, and we don't even see the power of God. We don't even, we, we're not able to take hold of that. And so in the context of community, um, but uh, the Apostle Paul here is just reminding the Romans that uh, what is really important to God and really is what, is what is important to you and I and to our families and to our community is spiritual transformation. It's letting the power of God come into our lives and change us into his likeness and image, okay? And so uh, this response is holy and pleasing to God. Um, as a believer, I want to be holy, and I want to please God. It is my deep desire for that to take place. And so uh, Paul is saying here, if you want to please God, if you want to do the thing that is holy, then let him come and transform you. Let him change you into his likeness and image. It is, in fact, worship. It is a transformed life. Okay. It is what, and it says, do not be conformed to the thoughts and behaviors of this world system. Now, that is a full-time job, isn't it? We are constantly bombarded by the thoughts and ideas of this world. And so, one of the things that is very important is, is as you stay in community, it helps protect you from being seduced by the thoughts and the behaviors of this world. And so we want to stay together in that. And in that renewing of our mind, and it's the renewed mind that receives the truth of God, then you will be able to discern God's will. I don't know how many times people go, ah, I just don't know what God's will is for me. You know, what is God's will? And the will of God is for you to hear his voice. They're looking for me, possibly, or someone else to give them some sort of clue. And it's like, no, you want to develop a personal relationship with God that allows you to hear his voice. You will understand his perfect will for you as you press in. Just as James, uh, Jessup was uh, praying uh, this morning, uh, actually teaching and praying together, but, uh, which is good, but... Uh, uh, he, was just, he was just talking about that, pressing into that place of that quiet time, of, of having that personal relationship, uh, because it is in that place that you encounter the living God. You and I need to encounter the living God. We need to put our, place, our, our hearts in places where we encounter the living God. Then in that, you and I will know the will of the Lord, and we will see the spiritual transformation that takes place. 
we do have a responsibility. We are not passive individuals. We were called into a relationship with God. All relationships have expectations, do they not? Every one of them. If you don't have an expectation, then you don't have a relationship. And yet it's interesting. It's like this, this whole thought process that's within the, the church. Oh, God loves you. And, and, and he does. I mean, he really loves us. And so much, he loves us so much we don't even really get it or understand it. But he does have expectations of us. You know, and so it is not, it is, it is a two-sided effort in our relationship with God. And he is speaking to us. He's saying to us this morning, come close to me. Let me reveal my heart to you. Let me discern. Let me give you the ability to discern what my heart is. And out of that, you will understand my will for you. Each one of us has different gifts, talents, talents, and anointings. It's like it, it took a while for me uh, uh, for, to, for me to begin to realize that I wasn't here to compare myself to someone else. You know, uh, in, in the preaching mode, it was always like I needed to be someone else. And one day it was like there was just this revelation. Be who I made you to be. My per permission to each one of you right now is that you be who God made you to be. And out of that, let him show you the, what, what he's going to do in and through your life. Let him reveal himself to you and bring about that transformation in your heart. Stop comparing yourself to other people. We don't need to. We're to love each other, not to compare ourselves with each other. And so in that, then, be encouraged to be everything that God has created you to be and flourish. He has called us to a life that we flourish. And in that, then we reveal his true nature and character within our lives. Okay, what I want to do is go on here now. Um, and uh, we're going to look at uh, these uh, are uh, the, the, the rest of the, of the chapter is, is very important because uh, it gives uh, a description of a transformed believer. And so, so it says, for by the grace given, I saying, uh, say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Let's just look at that for just a second here. And so um, there is no place for pride within the body of Christ. Yeah, there's just no place for it. Yeah, we actually don't need it. Yeah, because we have the favor of God. Yeah, we don't need, we don't need pride. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's the work of the devil. Uh, we are to review our lives with sober judgment, and that's part of today's teaching. It's like, God, I want to know those places yet within my life that need to die so that you might live in and through me. Now, every one of us have places that God needs to intervene and bring those things to death. Now, it is his work, not ours. My job is to cooperate with what God is doing, not to fight him. Stop resisting the work of the Spirit. Don't fight with God over what needs to die. Why? Because that death 
is real gain for us. But see, we don't get that. The enemy is always lying to us about that. He's always using deception. He's always trying to sneak in there and twist things. And so he said, oh, you don't want to give up that. that, that that's important to you. You know, it's just a bowl of porridge. It's just a bowl of soup. If you remember Jacob and Esau, Jacob literally, uh, uh, in, in that whole thing, Esau, uh, the twin, who actually surrendered his inheritance for a bowl of soup. Why? Because he said, I don't think I'm going to live. That's what the enemy does. He, 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 he uh, tricks us into believing that we have to have this now or we will not survive. And God is saying, I am the one who sustains you not a bowl of soup. And yet, when you don't fix your eyes on God and his sustaining power in your lives, you are prone to the enemy seducing you with a bowl of soup and you throw it all away. That's a terrible thing to do. Yeah. So the Lord is speaking to each one of us today and he's saying, those places within your life that need to be given, given up, I will do that work in you. I will do the work in you. You and I do not save ourselves from ourselves. Jesus saves us from ourselves. And so that spirit of religion says you need to save yourself. You need to do this or do that. No, what I need to do is cooperate with the work of the spirit as he brings death to those things in me that needs to die in order that Christ might live through me. Now that is the testimony of Jesus in and through our lives. That's what's going to really change this world. That's going to, going to change your life. It's going to change your family's life. It's going to change this church's life. It's going to change this community's life. And if so, I want to be a part of something bigger than just what's happening in my own life right now. You and I are called to a community, a community to move the kingdom of God forward in a powerful way that sets the captives free. This city is filled with captives, okay, by the kingdom of darkness. When Mara and I moved here, one of the things the Lord said to me, there are many people within this city who don't know me. And there was just this sense of God's, Jesus, uh, he was just broken over the fact of all of the individuals that he loved dearly and they were living lives that were destroying themselves and, and each other. And it was like, oh God, yeah. And uh, we have a friend that says God's not a gossip. Uh, when, he, uh, when he shares you, with you information, uh, he has something uh, for you to be involved in that. And so that, that actually, that word from him was what initiated our process in moving uh, uh, to Mason City. You know, and I'm now a part of what God is doing here in this community. Yeah? Remember, I, I saw, I've seen where the Spirit of God, uh, the staff of Jesus has is, is, is been slammed down in the center of the auditorium here, and the power of God flowed out of that. In other words, you are in holy ground right now. You are in a place right now where God has placed his mark, and you have the opportunity to participate in that or to walk away from that. He's giving you the freedom in that. 
but he deeply desires for you to take hold of what he has given you in order that his kingdom will come and his will will be done in this city as it is in heaven. Okay? So we look at that. Um, we see ourselves uh, with sober judgment. We see ourselves uh, from a perspective uh, that allows us to see both strengths and weaknesses. Okay? Then it's... Uh, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many uh, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is uh, contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do cheerfully. And so he speaks to the whole issue of we don't need to compare ourselves to each other. We need to rest together as community and let God do what he wants to do in each one of us. Do you realize that you have the privilege of reflecting the nature and character of God in this time and space? I think it's so important that we understand that what God has called us to is a privilege. It isn't a burden it isn't something that we need to groan about. It is a privilege to serve the Lord God Almighty and to see what he's going to do in and through us. And so you've been called into this holy place, into this holy ground in this moment to actually dedicate your life to what God wants to do in and through your life. He will use the unique gifts and talents with each one of us. And we are not here to compare ourselves with each other. We are here to submit to the lordship of God and let him flow in his unique way through us for our transformation and touching the lives around us. I don't know what would be more important than that, actually. If you think about it, what's really important in life? Yeah, getting a motor home and going south for the, for the winter? I like that idea. But, but it could be a distraction. Now, God can do that. What is important is, is that you do the unique call that God has for you. And he will give you the grace to fulfill that. Guaranteed. Okay? All right. So, so each one of us has our own uniqueness. And it's good. And that those the things that are not good about that... Those are the things that God wants to bring to death because they're not of God. They're actually of the enemy because you realize that we all got bit by the snake, didn't we? Yep. We were born out of Adam. We got bit by the snake, and so we have that mark. And God is here to restore original creation in each one of us. Okay. So love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in, uh, 
in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless those who do not, uh, and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony uh, with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. All right, so there is a list of very important attributes, okay? Now, I wish I could say those were all true of me, but they're not. I'm a work in progress, and so are you. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, loving your enemies, my goodness, how do you do that? You do it out of the grace of God, don't you? Yes. God has called us to a life that we cannot do in and of ourselves. So I need to rest in that. But I also need to know that I can resist God, and I shouldn't do that either, okay? And so when God brings those convictions to us, he doesn't condemn us. He brings conviction to us because he's looking for transformation. He doesn't want to drive us away. He wants to call us in. He's saying, come here, come close to me. That was the sense during worship was that kindness and compassion. He's like going, come close to me. Let me touch you. Let me heal you. Let me deliver you of the things that need to be delivered out of your life so that you can reflect my nature and character. Let me do the work. You can't do it. So don't think that you can. You're, and you and I need a divine encounter. And it isn't just a one-time encounter. It's an ongoing encounter with the living God. That's what brings real change into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is the one that is doing it. And he will continue to do that. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, do not repay anyone uh, any evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it de uh, uh, depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Whew. That's what God's doing. And you and I have the privilege of being a part of that. Yeah, but it's going to require dying to ourselves dying to things and remember I said earlier it's like I'm not going to pick the things that need to die I want the spirit of God to tell me what needs to die and then I want him to do it and I want a grace from God that lets me surrender to him so that he can accomplish his will in my life that's what I want I want him to receive the glory I want he is my savior he's the one who delivers me from myself and that's what each of us needs to have happen in our lives. And what's true for me is true for you. The Lord isn't picking on us. No, no, he's just saying, I want to set you free. My love for you is so great that I will not leave you in the situation you find yourself in. I will not leave you in those places that are bringing death to you. Why? Because I love you, I value you, and... 
You need me. And there's nothing wrong with needing God. You know, I got saved, uh, I think probably about 12 or 13 at church camp, uh, a good evangelical, okay? But what's interesting was is that I, it was like, um, it was at church camp, and I was, um, we placed a heavy emphasis on, uh, uh, on, a, on baptism. It's kind of like the watershed moment. And it is powerful and important, Okay. And it's what God has called us to. It's an act of obedience to him and, a, and, a, and an outward expression of what's really ch- uh, changing. But as I reflect on that moment that was happening, it was like almost a surreal. I felt like I was not touching the floor as I walked forward because we did it the traditional way. You know, not every knee, every head bowed and every, you know, that. No, what we did is that you, it was a public declaration. You came up front and you made that declaration. I think there's something very powerful about that, but we won't go into that right now. Okay. Uh, But it was like, it was an event that was mystical. It was like, I am not walking on the floor. I am actually walking on air as I went forward. It was the radical move of God. And it was like, what's happening to me? Uh, Actually, it's like you ask that question, but you kind of know. And you're going, it's so good. I don't know. Is this real? Uh, Can I trust this? Those kinds of things. Those are the kinds of things that I believe God wants to bring into our lives on a routine basis. You know, We've encountered God in various places and various times, and they've been tastes, little tastes of what God wants to do. I believe that God is moving now within the body of Christ for a greater outpouring of more of those things happening in our lives. You're going to see the miraculous. Now, one of the things that you and I want to do is we want to begin to expect that. Okay, that is faith. You know, we don't want to settle for what we've had. We want fresh bread. We want the good things of the kingdom to come. We're wanting the radical move of God. But in that, he also will have to do a radical move within us before he can do that. He cleanses the house of the Lord before he does the things out in the world. And so as the church has become increasingly passive, inward perspective. I grew up in the church and it was like we wanted to protect ourselves from those crazy people out in the world. And I'm like going, but aren't we called to them? How do we do that? It was like I'm getting mixed messages here. And I did. It was like, see, I was not equipped with the spirit to the point where I could actually go out and be the salt and the light out in the world. So I had to hide behind the four walls. Now, I was eventually booted out, and I was not prepared, but that is another story and a very long one. (laughs) But I was not prepared in my Christian experience to deal with what the enemy provided into my life, you know, and so thank God he found me and rescued me again, okay? I want that to be my testimony. He found me, and he rescued me again, from myself. He rescued me from myself and the work of the enemy. All right. So, so what we see here is we see a list of things that cannot be done by our own soulish efforts. They have to be done by the Spirit. So the good news is, is that God's got a lot of work to do in your life, and it's going to be his work 
And he wants to do that. He desires to do that. And that is an act of love, isn't it? That's an act of love. The desire to separate us, to set us free from the things of the enemy. And so you can rest in that. You can trust him to do the work. He will reveal those things to you. All right. So it's interesting. I want you to notice that these are Paul's declarations of expectations of Jesus. They're not suggestions. A lot of times we look at scripture and we say, well, that's a nice suggestion. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get to, you know, yeah, we'll just talk about it. We'll just take a vote on it. No, none of us like it. Let's throw it out. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but no, no, these are things that God is very serious about. And he wants real transformation, and he's going to do that work in us. Okay. Now, in observing this, I noticed that there were things in here. He didn't mention attributes like lying to yourself or to each other or criticizing and shaming people or selfishly looking for what's wrong, abandoning people in their hour of need or taking, talking behind their backs with judgment or, and breaking relationship, using a bitter spirit to defile others, power plays, seeking to control people, selfishness, ambition, needs for recognition. No, those were not included in the attributes of a believer in Christ, they're the work of the enemy. Yeah, they are the work of the enemy. Now, the list that I have just throughout there, those are the things that the enemy loves to use in the body of Christ. Why? Because, I mean, okay, growing up the church, we were very much about morality. And then what's interesting is that they didn't equip you to actually fight against immorality. It just kind of ran over you, okay? But again, that's a whole other story. Um, but we never really dealt with those things that are relationally wicked that flow under the, in the darkness of our minds and hearts, you know? Those are the things that are so devastating to relationships, those are the things that the enemy knows that he can have a good moral person. But if they're committed to some of these other things, if God has not actually killed those things, they will poison the entire human being and nothing of real fruitfulness will flow out of that. If the devil can't steal your salvation, his next step is to make sure that you are not fruitful. He hates fruitful Christians. He's, he knows that he's going to lose a few to Jesus, but he hates the lack. He hates fruitfulness. He is very much attacking the body of Christ and these underlying issues that damage relationships so that we don't really see the fruit that God wants in and of our lives. So we need to guard our hearts against that. And that's why one of the things as we close today is that, you know, it's like, Lord, what is it in me that needs to die? It's a personal thing. And, and it, isn't, it isn't a place where you're going to, to shame yourself or criticize yourself. Uh, we have that pattern uh, many times. Uh, you know, it's like, I can't look at that. I don't want to talk about that. And the Lord is saying, no, it's okay. Come here. 
I don't hate you for that. I love you. In fact, I love you so much, I want to expose that so I can set you free of that. That's his real issue. Now, I won't go to Romans 7, 24 and 25, but basically it's the Apostle Paul saying, I'm a wretched man who will deliver me from the conflicting uh, spirits that are within me. And he goes, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And so that's the, the message there. So um, I'm actually closing. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's Palm Sunday, and like I said earlier, I, 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 the Lord said, yes, this is a Palm Sunday message. Uh, so here is how he, what he said to me. He said, he said uh, do you know that there were people in the crowd saying Hosanna to, the, to King Jesus, who later became the mob a few days later that murdered Jesus? It just hit me about fell on the floor when he said that. I'm going, oh, Lord, is that what humanity looks like? They will say those things. They will go, oh, yes, Jesus. Yeah. And yet be a part of a murderous mob later? Yeah. Okay. Now, God, there was nothing angry or malice about that revelation to me about that it was just an observation actually what there was a feeling of just his broken heart over that and this morning I want you to know that God's heart is broken over what the enemy has done in our lives yeah the heart the Lord's heart is broken over what the enemy has done in our lives and the enemy has done a lot in our lives but the good news is is that we don't have to stay stuck there. God says, I'm going to set you free. So you see, then, in view of God's mercy, just saying thank you is not enough. What is required of us is a transformed life. And it is done by the power and presence of the Spirit of God in and through us. Stand with me and let Father, we thank you. Yeah, we thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For what we could not do, you did for us on our behalf. You sent Jesus. You paid the price for us. And Lord, Lord, we want to thank you with a transformed life. Lord, we today choose to surrender our lives to you and we say, have your way with us. Look at those things within us, those things that don't belong to us, things that have been sown into us by the work of the enemy. Lord, we ask that you would penetrate those things, that you would reveal those. And Lord, we ask that your grace would be available to us that would cause us to repent, to surrender those things to you and let you destroy those things. Lord Jesus, May you receive all of the glory and all of the benefit that comes through our relationship with you. May you be the one who is glorified for the transforming power that takes place. Lord, may our hearts be filled with an attitude of repentance, of a deep desire to see you set us free. Yes. And so, Lord, we come. 
we come now to receive from you what we need to get from you. Yeah. And so we come now to be filled by the power of your spirit, to receive the ability to discern your will for our lives and allow our lives to be transformed by the working of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.